0: Welcome everybody, we have another reason to panic this week, Uh, yes, you have come to the right place, the only podcast for the worried mind that gives you a new reason to panic every week. week. I'm your host, Tyler Mason. We have with us Randall, and uh, we're actually missing our good friend Eli. Um, You'll notice from time to time that uh, one of us may drop out. Maybe even two of us will drop out uh, on these podcasts because we live a nomadic lifestyle, which is uh, both exciting, but a little bit uh, sporadic. So we are missing our our good friend Eli, but uh, he should be back with us next week. Uh, This week's podcast uh, I want to take your minds to childhood when you played in the bathtub, right? That infamous place where parents send their children knowing that a tidal wave is going to wash the floor, drown the baby, uh, swallow the toilet, etc. As you're sitting there in the tub and you're playing with your toys, remember how much fun it was to splash on one side and watch the wall of water flow all the way across the tub slapping up on the other side splashing up the wall onto the floor and then coming back and dousing you as it returns uh hours and hours of enjoyment as a child now i want you to imagine that on a much grander scale let's side our minds backwards a little bit to the tragic events that happened in uh 2011 in japan uh the tsunami that uh, everybody was watching on the news as a, a wall of water washed away much of uh, much of the coastline. Um, tsunamis happen. We hear about them all the time. So what does that have to do with the bathtub? Well, that brings us to this week's reason to panic. So, Randall, what we're going to talk about this week is tsunamis in lakes. Did you know that that was even a thing?
1: No. I mean, I've heard of storm surges um, when a hurricane hits the coast, but I not, was not aware that inland lakes could have tsunamis. It sounds... Kind of scary actually, uh, it is
0: actually so it, it was interesting as I was researching this week's topic, because um, I, I just got wondering, I was like, we hear about tsunamis, but but one, what causes them, and and B, what size body of water do you technically need to have a tsunami? Uh, that got me thinking about the bathtub, right? Uh, normally you fill the the water up to that little, I guess, it's, it would be the overflow drain on the on the wall of the bathtub, right? And the, the bottom part of that silver thing. You guys all know what I'm talking about. You kind of pictured it. If you were like me, it looked like a face. You had the two bolts that were the eyes, the long part that plugged the the uh, drain. That was the nose. But on the bottom of that, the water, you know, it wasn't supposed to come above that level. But if you splashed it just right, you could get the water way above that le- that level up into the wall. And, you know, you kind of had this, uh, the bathtub effect where that water would go back and forth. So I was like, can that happen in a lake? So I got looking and I found that tsunamis are actually quite I shouldn't say quite common in like a devastating way, but they are quite common in the Great Lakes, which was kind of interesting. Lake Michigan has had three recorded deadly tsunamis. You know, there might've been other large ones since, uh, you know, before that, but three recorded large tsunamis in the Great Lakes. And and they're actually caused by a slightly different event than what you have in the ocean. So your ocean tsunamis are volcanic or earthquake um, in nature. The Great Lakes, they actually have um, there's, there's two types. They're caused by high winds from a thunderstorm. That's called a meteo tsunami. Uh, so basically, you get a massive shift in uh, geo, in, uh, not geologic, in meteorological pressure. The pressure will push down one side of the lake, raising the other side, and then you get a tsunami that gives you the bathtub effect where it comes back. And the other one is called a seiche, where water is pushed to, from one side of the lake to the other, again, by uh, just changes in pressure
1: so when we're talking about a tsunami here though like how big are these waves because I, I can imagine like you see movies like deep impact and and stuff like that and you've got like this 1500 foot wave i mean obviously there's not enough lake in some of these places to displace enough water to create a wave like that but like what what is the scale that we're talking when when you when you think of lake michigan and you think of a seish or a a tsunami like wh- how tall can it be what <laughs> how fast do these things move
0: You know, they they actually do still move at um, a fairly high velocity, but uh, the height of these waves, that's the interesting thing. Waves don't have to be tall. So, you know, people think of deep impact and they're like, oh, tsunami, it's got to be a minimum wave height of, say, you know, 50 feet or 150 feet or 500 feet or, you know, whatever, right? The the big screen magic that makes the wave, you know, taller than the Empire State Building. Um, A tsunami really just comes down to, is it a consistent uh, wall of water uh, that, that comes because of some sort of activity that caused it, right? We're, we're talking more than just, you know, the moon ripples that that make your waves come. So um, the ones, the deadly ones, I actually didn't see exact heights for the deadly ones in Lake Michigan, Michigan, but they'll get them, uh, you know, where they're several, several feet high. And so the other thing that's interesting about a tsunami that, that is unique to its characteristic versus, say, a wave, right? You typically will see, like, imagine going to the ocean, you'll see waves that roll in and sets, right? But it's not one consistent wall of water. So a tsunami comes in sets too. It's called a tsunami wave. And the first one is not always necessarily the biggest or the, the most impactful. So uh, Lake Michigan, or, or, or I guess really any of the Great Lakes are, are subject to them, but Lake Michigan is the one that was brought up the most often. And so I don't know if that one has something with the shape or the size or the depth or something that, that makes it more prevalent, but it's enough that you'll see the water actually recede from the shoreline of the lake, characteristic to a tsunami, and then it'll push back rapidly with waves probably somewhere in, you know, I'd say the the less than 10 foot range because there's not going to have the power that it takes for some of the other tsunamis that I researched to actually be devastating to, you know, travelers or, or locals in the area. So that being said, right, so we've got tsunamis that happen in the Great Lakes. They're fairly prevalent. So if any of, of you listeners are from the Great Lakes area, you may have seen them, heard them, dealt with them, right? And so they do have tsunami warning signs there. But this is where it really got interesting. And this is where our reason to panic come in, right? So we've got the the medio tsunami, we've got the seish. But then I got wondering, are there lakes, bodies of water that have fault lines underneath them? Because really what happens is when you get an earthquake, right, or, or volcano, but odds of having a volcano under a lake, I don't know, I can't imagine that's very high. But when you get a, a uh, seismic tsunami from a, uh, an earthquake, it's a lot like plucking a, a guitar string, right? So all of a sudden you get the ground that will shift and it creates a, a ripple, pushes the water. And I found that actually Lake Tahoe is at a pretty high risk for a, a tsunami. And they actually have had some very, very substantial tsunamis in beautiful Lake Tahoe that has a lot of people that live around it. Thousands and thousands of people come to it every year for a destination vacation spot with no idea that lurking beneath the surface on a very active fault line, it's a a tsunami waiting to
1: happen. So then you say it's substantial. Well, when I was was thinking, I watched a video a lady took in Japan um, when the tsunami hit and the wave that came in, it, it probably ended up being like a 25 or 30 foot storm surge because it ended up going higher than the dike higher than the first story of the building and higher than the second story of the building so it was ridiculously tall but it didn't look that way cuz the wave just slowly came in and it, you know it it honestly looked like if you saw it coming you'd have time to run cuz you know there was these little waves but that's we're talking about the ocean where there's an earthquake that's hundreds of miles away and when it hits them it's you know everybody kind of is on notice and they can either go to higher ground or run away you know whatever they have time but when you're on a lake something of that magnitude if 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 it was a you know, an earthquake or something like that. The, the the map that I looked at on Lake Tahoe said that you could have, and maybe this is uh, me not speaking right, but I thought it said something about like a 300 foot or something crazy like that wave if you have a big enough earthquake just to displace all that water. You don't have any time. No,
0: so this is where it is. This gets nuts, right? So let me let me just drop a few stats on this. Tsunami waves can travel up to 500 miles per hour. So the one that, that came in to Japan on March 11th was moving at its top speed that it was recorded was five miles per second. Like, just put that into perspective, five miles per second. First, you've got the earthquake, right? Which is, was, was devastating in and of itself because it was close enough to Japan, which interestingly enough, Japan is the world's most seismically monitored point on planet earth. And so they had just massive, massive amounts of data from this tsunami in 2011 that was able to record velocity and speed and and impact and all of these all these things that they gave researchers a lot of insight into tsunamis and what causes them and, and you know their impact and etc so you know five miles per second and it was it was it was uh, a, a large substantial wave as a matter of fact i can't pronounce the name of the of the city in japan but they have the world's largest basically a wave break right that's built up to prevent a tsunami it flooded all the way over the top of that and you know we've seen the footage of, of what it was that happened. Yeah, so so we are talking a substantial amount of water. The largest ever recorded tsunami was in Latuva Bay in Alaska in 1958. That wall of water was seven thousand or excuse me, one thousand seven hundred and twenty feet tall.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, seventeen hundred foot wall of water. But because it's in Alaska and it was in nineteen fifty eight before there was really much of a populace up there, it only killed five people.
1: Um, well, that's like the, the, the tree in the forest. Um, if, if nobody heard it, did it fall? So, like, it didn't really affect anybody just because there's nobody up there.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? So, you know, loss of life is, is never, a, never a good thing. But, you know, for, for 1,700 feet of water to only kill five people is was incredible. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just – that is a massive wall of water.
1: <laughs> what if it hit San Francisco? Yeah. I mean. <laughs>
0: Well, then you get San Andreas, right? The movie with uh, with The Rock and Alexandra Dario, or I can never pronounce her last name, but yeah, but that's exactly what you get, right? I mean, the the Golden Gate Bridge is suddenly swallowed by a wall of water. But back to your question. Sorry, I kind of tangented there for a second. So back to your question, right? Talking Lake Tahoe, what we have there's there's three recorded. And by recorded, they're, they're looking at geological studies for the, the records on these. But there's three recorded tsunamis in Lake Tahoe, the largest of which was about 40,000 years ago. Okay, So there was between a 7.0 and a 7.5 earthquake that caused what's called the Paleo landslide. So if you actually go to Lake Tahoe, you can see the result. There's a section of the basin that Lake Tahoe is in that looks different. It's five cubic kilometers of wall that... that because of this earthquake, slipped down into the bottom of the lake. So in 2015, so 2015 to 2016, researchers came in from a college in Reno, from University of California um, in Santa Cruz. Of course, now I'm not finding the other ones. But anyway, so these three colleges, they started doing studies in Lake Tahoe because they were wondering basically the same thing that I did. And so what they found is, 40,000 years ago, they had this five cubic kilometers of debris that, that came in, and the waves reached 150 feet high, and penetrated, you know, several miles back into uh, the Lake Tahoe that basin in there. But the interesting thing about it, going back to the velocity of of the waves, is they did some modeling of it, and it took the side where the areas nearest to the slide were hit almost instantaneously by the wave but it took seven minutes for the water to get from one side of the lake to the other and then reverberate back in that bathtub effect where it literally sloshed from one side of the lake to the other you know several times before the waves finally
1: dissipated so all you can do is either one hope you're not on vacation there or two you just clean up the mess
0: yeah oh and actually sorry i misspoke it was uh the massive slide tsunami it was 400 feet
1: oh my gosh (laughs) like hey look a wave and then it hits you right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 just staggering so so that was um, so that was 50,000 years ago then we had 8,000 years ago the west tahoe fault ruptured causing a quake of, a, of about a 7.3 magnitude and that was a 30 foot high wall of water that was 8,000 years ago then we have 5300 years ago, 7.2 magnitude, another 30 foot wall of water. Then 4500 years ago, a seven to a 7.2, five foot high, um, that was likely that likely created the, uh, the fallen leaf lake. So there's actually a lake that was created 4,500 years ago by a five foot wall of water after an earthquake. And then 500 years ago, there was a 7.2 roughly earthquake. Um, that occurred at the same time as the 7.5 temblor on the uh, Ganoa Fault east of the lake. And then also, again, another tsunami uh, would have occurred. So, you know, if, if we look at this, 50,000, 8,000, 5, 500, 500 years ago, I mean, these are getting exponentially more frequent there in the Lake Tahoe area.
1: I mean, I don't know. how. I can't think of a good way to prepare. I mean even having a houseboat you would you, <laughs> your houseboat <laughs> would be 3 miles inland in 7 minutes like the frequency isn't a big deal cuz they i mean they are happening more and more frequently but once every 10,000 years still i mean that doesn't <laughs> so what does that mean like how how are we supposed to prepare for something like this i mean i could just live on a lake that doesn't have enough mass for there to even be enough water to create a 10 foot wave and it's not a big deal but you know what 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 are you know what should we do to to or people on tahoe to to prepare for something like this
0: well, you know, I'll back up real quick before I answer that question, because you say a 10-foot wave, which isn't that big. But like I said, 4,500 years ago, Fallen Leaf Lake was created by a five-foot wave,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So the, it's, it's, it's the intensity of the tsunami. So what you have is, um, you know, a tsunami that happens in the ocean. and You can actually go and you can watch a video. So the 2011 tsunami in Japan, there's, there's uh, footage from some sort of a freighter out there on uh, the Pacific Ocean outside of Japan, that they actually went up and over the wave, right? But they were they were still miles from the coastline. And so you can hear all the all the, the people on the audio, you know, kind of doing that. You can feel their stomach rolling as as it picks them up and they go over it. But the water's so deep that even though the the wall is moving at a high velocity, the intensity isn't the same. It's when the water gets to the shallows and the friction Slows the wave, but but drastically increases the intensity, right? So, so that's really why it is that I look at the lakes and go, "Wow, that's a significant reason to panic." Because if you're on the coastline, it, it's much more likely that you'll have one than you know if you're on a lake. But if you're on a lake, you're dealing with a a shallow bottom right from the beginning. So your your wall of water is going to have much more intensity right out of the gate, the whole way through its duration. So you know it, it, it makes it. Scarier, I think, in, in my opinion, but but to answer your question, what do you do? So I was looking and, and, and here's here's what happens. So when a tsunami is coming, the first thing you'll notice is that the water will recede and we're not talking, you know, like watching low tide where it takes, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes for the water to go out and suddenly you've got tide pools, the water will drastically recede quickly. So you can see, there's there's a there's a shift in the water, and it didn't just evaporate, folks. It it's moving to come back at you. So if that's the case, you've got to get. Rule of thumb is is three kilometers inland, or thirty. I think it was uh, thirty feet above waterline. So if you can find like a building that's tall has a good solid concrete foundation, you know, go up that. If there's like Lake Tahoe, if you can get you know, just up the beach to where you're, you're more than, than there, you'd probably have to get higher because watching the models, you know, it, it swept over. But if you can get a hundred feet above the lake, then you're going to be out of majority of, of harm's way. In that case, that's kind of your two rules of thumb, three kilometers in mile uh, inland or, or uh, 30 feet above waterline. And then if you can't do either of those, then uh, I was watching in uh, the, the tsunami that took out, was it uh, Haiti? they got the tsunami a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a woman who actually grabbed onto a tree and for five days just hung onto a tree and they, they ended up rescuing her because she was she was just presenting, preventing herself from being washed out to sea by you know in, incredibly high velocity waves. But the risk with that is, is the debris. So the first wave that comes in, it's just water. But then each subsequent wave after that is picking up the debris that the first wave left behind and mm-hmm. hurling it through the the water, right? So, so you want to watch out for that. And then there was a lot of other people. They actually found aluminum carports that were floating, or even cars themselves. But you know, to me, that seems like it would be more dangerous because that car starts to roll. You've got you know suddenly twenty five hundred to five thousand pounds that's rolling on you. But they said that you know you can find floating debris, and you can actually hang on to floating debris as the the tsunami waves continue to to ripple in. Um, and and there you go. So that's that's how you survive a tsunami. That's what to look for and what to do.
1: I just imagine. maybe I should practice my tree hugging.
0: <laughs> so just be aware of the trees around you folks, which ones are small enough. You can get your arms around, right? Cause in Haiti, she was hanging onto a, a palm tree. Um, if you're next to a sycamore, you're, you're done. Like good luck hanging onto that sucker.
1: Uh, maybe if you can float the surge up a little bit and catch one of the higher, high, high branches.
0: There you go. There you go. So, so there it is. Yeah. You know, maybe you should check, see if the lake that you live by is, uh, on, cause it's gotta be on the, uh, the fault line in order for it to give you that guitar string effect. So look for that. If, uh, if that's a reason for you to panic, then put your house up on the market tomorrow, um, and move someplace that doesn't have a, oh, a lake on a fault line.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what grade I'm going to give this because I saw multi-million dollar homes on the Florida coast. And they get storm surges that are five, six, seven feet every year, all the time, and they don't even care. Yeah. And so when, when I think about the, I mean, it's the same thing in Lake Michigan. Like there's houses all over all the Great Lakes. There's there's ritzy areas, and they they build their dikes and their jetties. But I saw a picture of a a lock where the storm or the I think it was a sage was so tall it went over the top of the lock. It just started spilling over. So I mean, nothing is infallible. You're still going to get hit, but people don't really seem to panic about that, it's almost like um, when people are judging whether or not to panic over something, it's all in the uh, well. It's it's all based on sight. Like they're much more willing to panic over something, something that's small that they can't see and can't necessarily control. Whereas these big things that happen less frequently or seem to cause less damage or happen to happen somewhere else, people don't panic about it as much. They just it, I don't even know. So if I was going to grade this, I mean I'm not I'm not living on a lake. I don't plan on living on a lake. If I did. <laughs> I'd probably give it a a six or a seven, um, or just only camp there or, or something like that. And and then on a regular scale, I don't know, maybe, maybe a two or a three. I mean, the only issue that I'm running into is it's going to cost a lot of money to fix (laughs) everybody's house when, when they do it every time. So like, I'd be more panicked of, 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 uh, you know, the government response and will they screw things up and make it worse like they did in, in, uh, with everything that happened in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina happened, or, or is is it going to be a good recovery? Because I think that's that's really where I would be worried is is just people not being ready to to take care of the problem or or something like that. So I would probably give it maybe a four uh, on the on the panic scale, but I, I can't see going over that.
0: You know I I think I'd have to agree with you on a few points there. Um, social perception definitely dictates how much we panic over something, right? You you go to an area where ah yeah we get we get tsunamis oh okay you know we get we get hurricanes we get tornadoes oh okay right but then if you get something that isn't as socially acceptable if if I can say it that way then it is it's it's much more of a reason for people to panic because it's like ah the rest of society panics so therefore I must panic too but uh, but that's a tangent you know for for another day I guess Um, so where would I score this I I think I'd have to agree so if I lived on the Pacific where 95% 95% of all tsunamis happen on the Pacific because that's on planet Earth where the, the, the greatest geological and seismic activity happens, volcanoes and, and earthquakes. You're much more likely to see a tsunami anywhere on the Pacific than you are anywhere else. So I'd say if I lived in like Japan where it's a high seismic area, um, highest on planet Earth, or if I lived on like Lake, Lake Tahoe that uh, is on a, an active fault line, Um, where we are seeing these, these major earthquakes happening more prominently, I'd I'd put that higher as a reason to panic probably around, you know, that, that, uh, five to six range. Um, I'd be more worried about the, the volcano, not not the, not the volcano, the earthquake that causes the tsunami than I would about the tsunami itself, because you can, you, you've got a little bit of a warning system built in naturally for it, but it would be devastating if it did. So I'd put it probably around a six or seven where we're at right now, right now, Randall, we happen to both be in the same place this week, um, which is going to be rare. Uh, where we're at right now, you know, I'd give it like a one. We've got no major bodies of water. Um, I don't think we're in a in a seismically active area, so I've got no reason to panic here. So, I'd average that out. I'd say I'd probably three and a half, maybe a four, uh, on the reason to panic scale.
1: Not bad. I think it's interesting. Like people, we're scared of tornadoes, right? But we don't panic about it it could literally take a corn stalk and it, it could shoot it through you. Like, like you could stick. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if, if I was from an alien planet that didn't have tornadoes and I learned that if I came to earth, I could get impaled by a piece of grass. Like I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would be scared, but I mean, we're used to it. It, it. Honestly, because they happen and people know about them and they don't happen that frequently. It's it's not really first uh you know top of mind ever unless you're you know in the the on Lake Tahoe when it happens or something like that because even the the tsunami that happened in 2011 it's I mean the the nuclear plant up there is still gushing out uranium and stuff because it's so hot but it's still like yesterday's news <laughs> like it, it it's not top of mind anymore nobody really. Other than the people who are close there, it, it, it's not really one of those things that people are thinking about right now. So, I mean, it's it's just interesting how how we can maintain that <laughs> that kind of blissful ignorance on purpose in, with a lot of these things.
0: <laughs> no doubt, right? And so there's, there's your bonus reason to panic, folks, that uh, you can be killed by a blade of grass. We'll save that for another week, though. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this week's Reason to Panic. Stay smart, stay safe out there, and remember, there is always a reason to panic.